All right. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to ask you um, if you have a physical copy, hard copy, or uh, you use an app, go with me to Joshua chapter 1. I want to um, speak to our students this morning and to each of you. And um, the title of what I want to share this morning is called Never Been This Way Before. Never Been This Way Before. And um, it's things to know when making a critical transition. Our whole world is in a critical transition, as are these young students. Joshua chapter 1, and I want to read a lengthy passage, and I just want the, the, the word of the Lord, the word of God to just fill the atmosphere as we take a look at how to make critical transitions. Joshua 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you everywhere you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the, Mediterranean, the beautiful Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So, verse 6, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book, the word of the law, the word of God, always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Again, he said, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp, tell the people, get ready. Three days from now, we'll cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land. The Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, Gadites, half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, the Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Lord, I'm just reading this whole passage. Fill this atmosphere with the faith that comes from hearing your word. Verse 14, your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. But all your fighting men ready for battle must cross overhead of your fellow Israelites. You are to help them until the Lord gives them rest as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land your Lord, the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, servant Lord, gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise. Then they, the people, they respond to Joshua, getting them ready for this momentous, significant crossing over after 40 years in the wilderness. 400 plus years of bondage in Egypt. And they respond to him. Then they answer Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. 
and wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only, here's the fifth time he's heard this in the last two chapters. They say, only be strong and courageous. Let's pray. Father, I don't come to deliver a talk. I don't come, this is not my job. This is my calling. I don't come to impress people or to win friends, influence people, build a crowd. I come to be faithful to your word. In the, these unique, critical days in which we find ourselves living, your word continually speaks to us about how to do it, how to make it, how to be prosperous and successful. And you call us all the days of our lives to be strong and to be courageous. And you make promises like, I'll be with you wherever you go and everywhere you put your foot as you follow me in the leading of my word. You give us boundaries, beautiful places that flow with milk and honey. And you say, no one will be able to stand against you. Hallelujah. And I just pray, Lord, that you will personalize your rhema word to each of us today. Personalize it for the 52-year-old who is jobless, for the 43-year-old who's freshly divorced, for the 18-year-old who is filled with excitement and fear and can't tell which emotion is which about which, what's to come. To every spiritual leader in this place, oh God, let your word come alive in our hearts. May your word come alive in this room, oh God, for it's alive. May we come alive and receive it in the name of Jesus, we pray. Can you say amen? amen? Three times he's told in this passage, be strong and courageous. And I want you to see what, what I just read is a, pro, a prophetic deposit from God into the new leader that would take over for Moses. This isn't just a passage. This is a daily devotion where the Bible it says the Lord spoke. And Joshua needs him to speak. How many of you know when you need God to speak, if you have listening ears, you can hear him speaking? I love that. The Lord said. The Lord spoke. It's a prophetic deposit that he gives Joshua. And you may go, why is a man like Joshua needing to hear something like, be bold, be strong, be courageous, three times? Joshua He's a man of courage already. He's a victor. He, he led two months after we left Israel, uh, Egypt. He defeated the Amalekites. He's known for military conquest. He's known as being a strong, courageous leader over and over against the Amorites. Og, the king of Bashan, just recently, if you follow the Old Testament, this transition, Joshua's the natural choice. He's a dude, man. He is, he's solid of all the people. He's the obvious pick. Why does he need to be told? He's got a record of military strength. And yet he's told five times, be strong and of good courage. The first time was when Moses, at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, when he's appointing him the new leader, Moses says, be bold, be strong, be of good courage. And then three times, God speaks to him. Have you ever gotten a word from the Lord and like, 
He removes all doubt as to what he's trying to say to you. Anybody ever had one of those? It's like everywhere Joshua looked, the slogan was, be strong and of good courage. He goes and tells the people, and there they are, a bunch of people. The only people left were all born in the desert. There was nobody left that were part of the Israelites, the Hebrew people trying to make their journey into the place of promise. And he looks them in the eye and their dirty faces and clothes that they're not worn out, but they sure are not fashionable. And he tells them, get ready. I know it's, you've, you've never known what it is to have a place, but we're getting ready to cross over. And you can see them lining up and go, okay, just one request. We're going to do everything you ask us to do. We're going to treat you and follow you just like we followed Moses. But just do this. Only be strong and courageous. You know, it's like, uh, who was it yesterday? Brett, Brett Tenney in the Grow Track class said, in one week he had four people tell him, you need to go to Restoration Church. And he said he finally had his chiropractor had him laid out on the table and he goes, you should go to Restoration Church. And he said, I finally decided, okay, I'm going to Restoration Church. <laughs> Listen, don't make God put, get your chiropractor lay you out across the table before you'll get his message. How many of you can hear the word of the Lord telling you right now, be strong and of good courage. How many of you receive it before you get your back cracked? Amen? Now, the Lord spoke. God speaks in a personal way. Why did Joshua need to hear all of this? Because he needed courage. God wouldn't have said it if he didn't need it. He needed to be bold. Because we know Joshua after the walls of Jericho. We know Joshua after in chapter 10. He's the guy who prayed and the sun stood still. We know Joshua. This is not the Joshua we're talking about. This is the Joshua who's taking over some big shoes and he's getting ready to step in and take over for Moses. They've yet to cross the Jordan. So this is why God says, be bold, be strong, be of good courage. And not only is he stepping into big shoes, but it's a bad time to be taking over. He knows they're getting ready to cross the river, but he doesn't know how they will because the river happens to be at flood stage. It's not a great place geographically for them to cross. It's flooding. And Moses is dead. Joshua, the new leader, is taking over in an inopportune time. It's a great opportunity that appears to be the wrong time. I'd like to park right there, but I don't have time. But you might be facing a great opportunity, and you might have disqualified it and lost your courage because you're like, ah, it's not the right time. This is why you need to be able to hear when the Lord speaks, when the Lord says. Now, Joshua's reasoning, and he's, Moses put his hands on me and anointed me and appointed me the new leader that would take these people across this river. But I bet Moses didn't realize it was going to be at flood stage. 
Joshua's having some regrets. He's second-guessing a little bit. There's fear and doubt creeping in, and God knows this. And this is why God tells him, be bold, be strong. You see, we think of Joshua as this, and his kind, those kind of people who have accomplished much for the kingdom. We think of people who've been used in mighty ways, like superheroes, like they never deal with doubt or fear, but they do. This is why they learn to hear what God is saying. Imagine Joshua receiving these words directly from God. Moses is dead. Sometimes the word of God will say the most obvious thing. Matthew chapter 4 is one of those. It says, after Jesus had fasted 40 days, comma, he was hungry. How many of you just, isn't that awesome? It's just so revelatory. It's as if God, everybody knows Moses is dead. And why would you start this prophetic word to encourage me and give me boldness and strength by reminding me that Moses is dead? Because sometimes we need to be reminded of the reality of what is going on. And God wants to start right there and not let us linger worrying in regret and thinking, well, if Moses had still been here. God said that because Joshua needed to hear that that cord had been broken. Moses is dead. Imagine Joshua receiving these words. He would say, Moses, my mentor, the one who could advise me, who could help me, the one who God used mightily, the one who started this whole thing of bringing us up out of Egypt. God, these are big shoes to fill. Remember, this is before they crossed the Jordan again, before Jericho and all the miracles. Joshua, at this big moment, he was beginning to have some, listen to me, what I call specific doubt. There's reasons to doubt because Joshua has some data points that God doesn't. So Joshua is worried because God doesn't have a full picture of what's going on. He chose the wrong person. This is the wrong place, and it's the wrong time. And he's tempted to compare himself to Moses. And he would be like you and me, and he would say, yeah, I know, I've led victorious military campaigns, as everyone knows, but I haven't done miracles. Not like Moses. I may be God's man, but I'm not Moses. I'm the brute, the fighter, the military leader, but we're at a place where that's not going to cut it. Moses did, Joshua would reason, Moses did miracles, and that's what we're going to need if we're going to get from here to there. Joshua was disqualifying himself. Listen to me. Joshua had a moment of honest confession, and God met him there and spoke to him. Joshua has no idea what's about to happen. Brothers and sisters, I got to jump through a whole lot of stuff for the sake of time. We sit here this morning with no idea 
about what's to happen. There might be some rivers at flood stage. There might be some personal crisis. But the word of the Lord this morning is, no matter where you've been, what you've gone through, what you're facing, God says, I will never leave you. No one will be able to stand against you. Do not be filled or overcome with fear. Do not be discouraged. Be strong. Be of good courage. Be bold because I am with you and I'm going to give you everything you claim according to my word. Now, I hope you're hearing me. Now, to all you students who are graduating, be bold, strong, courageous. Be careful to obey the word. Meditate on it day and night. I know I'm sounding like I'm 89 years old. You need some 89-year-old wisdom as you're going off into a woke culture of, with a bunch of high-minded intellectuals who are going to try to reprogram you. Yes, I said it. This is why we need to meditate on the word of the Lord. If you do that, you will be prosperous and successful beyond what you even think the definition of prosperity and success is. God would say to you, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for God will be with you wherever you go. He says these two words. The first word is be strong. In the Hebrew, it has to do with an asserting, with a bold seizing. Whatever you're timid about, fearful or laid back and kind of nonchalant about, and you're not sure if you should go for it. God is saying, just reach out on my word, on my promise, and take it, literally. Fasten upon it or, or seize it for yourself. The second word, courage, comes from the Hebrew word amatz. It, it, listen to me. I, I, I'm going to develop it quickly, so get it quickly, okay? It's a, a mental alertness. Yes. Be strong. Be alert. What Alert. Listen carefully to what God says. Be alert. It's interesting that it is a, listen, it's a mental mindset, a securing of the mind on what the issue is at hand. It's an ability to focus. So God is saying, Take this because I'm giving it to you. But you're going to have to take it. And stay alert. Keep a mental posture of, and the word amatz comes from the same root of amen, which means so be it. Let it happen. I'm down with that. I believe that's coming. And what God is saying to Joshua is, I want you to live like you know what's about to happen. I want you to have a, oh, somebody. I want you to have a posture that says, you know the battle might be real, but you are going to win the battle. I want you to have a, so be it, God said it, it settles it. Whether I believe it or not, it settles it. Y'all out there? All right. Five things in this passage the Lord says. I got through a 45-minute introduction in less than 45 minutes. So I, we picked up some pace. Everybody just say, I believe he can do it. <laughs> all right. But this is, I do want you to receive this. And this is for all of us. This is for me this morning. God says there is a place to be possessed. A place for you to have. 
He defines it, I think, in verse 4. He says, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. Now, we're sitting there going, yeah, I don't even know where those places are. I know that's the problem. Joshua is sitting there outside of Canaan, and he's hearing these going, that's the same thing you promised Abraham. That's the same thing you told I. That's the same thing you told Jake. That's the same thing Moses. Still, all the way to the Mediterranean? We read over that and go, I don't even know those places. Sounds like Jasper. <laughs> all the way from Jasper to Blue Ridge. You know, unless... How many have been to Blue Ridge? I'll take, I'll take a little bit of Blue Ridge right now in this pandemic. Joshua, Joshua didn't say, God, here's what I want. Joshua would have never asked for such. God, in his word, created the boundaries of what he could possess. Oh, I wish I had an hour to preach. If, if you were to go, God, here's what I want. You would ask for so little compared to what God wants to give you. God created the boundaries, not Joshua. God defined the place that they were to possess. Joshua was thinking like we typically do. I, I just want to get them across the river. I know Jericho's coming. I can't even deal with Jericho yet. And I... I just want to get across, how many of you, you just want to get your kids at, to sleep by 10 o'clock at night. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And God's going, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. That's what's happening here. Joshua's going, if I just get them across, I, I've outdone Moses. And maybe they'll stop comparing me to Moses. He couldn't even imagine, listen to me, such a sprawling, spacious, beautiful boundary that God was given, never in his wildest imagination. Listen to me, 87 times in the book of Joshua, the word land is mentioned. Speaking of these boundaries, listen, almost 200 times alone in the book of Deuteronomy, it's mentioned. 50 times in the book of Deuteronomy, they are told to possess the land. And the terms of this place involved, listen to me, time, warfare, coming to terms with their own frustrations and failures along the way. This is why God tells him three times to be strong and of good courage. And Joshua, imagine in his daily devotion, quiet time, looking out over the valley and being able to see into it. And God says, Joshua, I want you to listen to me. You might want to write this down. And he gives him these boundaries, and Joshua has a what moment. For each of us, God in his word reveals a place for you to prosper and be successful. Hear me when I say this. This is a template I've taught for many years. God deals with, listen, a person, 
He gives them a promise in a place where he will prosper them, but it's not even about them alone. It's about the people who will be blessed, which brings me to my second point. But before we get there, I want to say that again. And I'm speaking to every person here who's walking through a wilderness. There is a place that flows with milk and honey. Milk, what you need. Honey, it's luxurious. You don't need it, but God gives it to you. Everybody that's here today, don't give up on that place. But you'll have to be strong. You're going to have to possess it. You will have to seize it. And you will have to stay alert to hear what God is saying about where it is, what it looks like, and how you are to possess it. Are you all out there? Point number two. Not only is there a place to be possessed, there, are, there is a people to be blessed. This is ministry. Ministry is not about you, Joshua, alone. It's not about you getting what you want, you being fulfilled. You will be fulfilled, but it's about way more than that. It's about the people who will be changed by God enabling you, Joshua, to be strong and of good courage. There's millions of people hanging in the balance, Joshua. This place that I'm giving you is where many people will be blessed. In fact, it's what is at stake and what is being contested for even right now. God delights in taking one human instrument and multiplying blessing through that one person to many more. This is why verse 2 in our text says, Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them. You get ready to lead them across to the place I am giving them. It's about a people. You go, I'm giving it to them. Last week, one of the things that blessed me about our Mother's Day experience was there, there, not too long ago, there would be weeks we didn't need the nursery wing because there were no chill preschoolers here. Or there would, there would literally be Sundays we didn't have any clients. And then they, they started coming in. And then to see what God is doing with all of you young families. Y'all are a fruitful bunch, by the way. We had three babies in six days this past week. Is that awesome or what? I think they got the spirit of Candace and Chuck upon them. Don't you? But to, in all seriousness, just to... It, that was more than a Mother's Day choir. That was foreshadowing of a church that has said, it's not about us only. It's about us. We'll be fulfilled as we invest in the next people who are going to inherit the place that we've possessed. When those little boys and girls started weeping, and some of them had just held their hands out, and then some of you all started weeping, I had a moment of foreshadowing. I said, oh, God. It won't be long. They'll be holding this microphone. They'll be leading worship. They'll be taking Pastor Cindy's job. And you know what? May we be that kind of people that we have possessed our place so that we can see our people blessed. Are y'all out there? Oh, I'd like to preach. God, you've heard me say it many times, God wants to do something so significant in one generation that it impacts three. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're gathering here today, and it's, way, it's about way more than us. It's not about me. It's not about you. 
It's not about just us. It's not about just this church. It's about this community. Are y'all picking up what I'm putting down? Because I'm, I'm, I'm just skipping over stuff. How many of you know what God's doing in this room? He wants to impact our grandchildren. How many of you know what God wants to do in this room? This is why our worship is so critical. This is why his glory, his presence coming. This isn't just another Sunday. There are people hanging in the balance, and we want to see what God does in here spread out and impact the whole world, the whole community. Amen. Now, you students that are going off to college, I said it, you know, be careful about who you date. It's not just about you going to college and getting a degree. Be careful how you date. It's about your children. You and your wife, you and your husband are going to pour into your children one day and they're going to say, Daddy, tell me about how you met Mommy. <sighs> Moving right along. Number three. <laughs> Everybody know what I'm talking about and believe it to be the truth. Number three. Victories that are, to, that are guaranteed. Look here. 31 battles Joshua would lead in these 24 chapters. There were battles to be fought, but they were victories that had been guaranteed. Joshua 1 verse 5 says, no one will be able to stand against you. You know what no one means in the Hebrew? No one. Everybody say it, no one. And I don't say this from a right-wing, Fox News, conservative, pharisaical, religious right. I say this from the Word of God. No one can stand against the purposes of our God. Will there be battles? Yes, lots of them. They will be severe, but we win in these battles. There are battles, but there are victories that are guaranteed. Can I get a witness? Yeah. I got to park one second because I got seven minutes before I got to move on to the next point. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what would you do if you knew you were going to be victorious? What promises of God would you activate if you knew they would come to pass in your life? Lord, infect us with that kind of dangerous, risky, crazy faith. You're, talking, you're looking at a guy who had been married less than a year, who quit his job and went out on the road with no insurance, three children, two children at that time. And I've, I've seen the hand of God move. You know some of the story of our family, my brother-in-law in the city, on and on and on it goes. May we be the kind of people that don't play it safe, but that we seize, we take advantage of every door and every promise that God gives us, knowing that we will be victorious. Number four, and this is, this is big, there's going to be an intimidation that will need to be renounced. And it's the word from God. The reality is, Moses, my servant, is dead. And this is Joshua's block. We don't, we, again, we say, Joshua, you're Joshua. You're Joshua. He's not Joshua yet. He's Moses' assistant. This is his big deal, his mental block. 
The one who was Moses, who was his greatest blessing, was now his greatest obstacle because we're in a transition. We're going from here to there. Moses, he's the only leader we've ever known. There's always someone else in our minds that God should have picked to do our job. Always someone we know who is more deserving, more gifted, more spiritual, more everything than me. And, and Satan is so helpful to remind me that I'm a bad choice. You're going to have to learn to do this. Renounce whatever it is that intimidates you in order to seize the promise of God. I want to tell you, renounce intimidation. Students, there will be professors, other students. There will be trends. There will be subjects, classes that you don't know how you're going to pass. Professors that don't like you, you don't like them, and they think their calling is to try and fail you. Anybody ever had one of those? They're out there. Learn to deal with them because you might have a boss in five or six years that's just like that professor. You guys in college, Isaiah, there'll always be another shooting guard or point guard, and you'll be dealing with, man, he's good. And you can be like my friend, Rolando Lamb, who grew up in Virginia, played with Ralph Sampson, got drafted the Supersonics back when Seattle had a team. And his son, Jeremy, is now in the league, was on Jim Calhoun's last um, championship team at Connecticut, who actually played in this gym with us. And his dad lived his whole adult life telling every team he coached, when I was drafted by the Supersonics in camp, I played to not get cut. And what happened? He got cut. And he said, I didn't think I had it in me. I didn't want to mess up. This was a gifted basketball player whose son went on to become, he actually had three sons and they all played basketball at a very high level. And Rolando Lamb lived his life saying, I know I had it in me, but I was afraid and I was scared. All of us have something in us that makes us want to play. Oh, I'm, I'm talking to somebody that makes us want to play in such a way to not get cut. And I want to tell you, I want to speak into your heart, into your situation right now. You've got to learn to renounce intimidation. Whatever form it comes in, there might, it might be a doctor's report. That thing intimidates. Moses is dead. Might be a job situation. For some of us, it's a label. For some of us, it could be a number of different, very real things. Same-sex attraction, divorce, bankruptcy, job loss. I missed that big deal, and everybody saw me miss that big deal. <sighs> when I came here to pastor this church, and we sat here in the shadow with very little resources, the Lord had me begin to focus not on what we don't have, but what we have. I pastored a church where we were in a school. We had to set up and break down for years. The Lord began to get me to appreciate the fact that we've got 10 acres in North Fulton. Even though we are in the shadow of Andy Stanley and Louis Giglio and Crawford Loritz 
and a million other pastors with resources and crowds. And we could sit out here and watch more people pass our church to get to theirs. I know what it's like to say, I renounce you, spirit of fear. I renounce you, spirit of discouragement. And I receive, I can't preach it like I'm feeling it. And y'all are clapping too and taking up my time. But let me, let me, let me tell you, listen, I'm about to just go postal on everybody right here. Listen, you, you, there's, there's a voice from the pit of hell trying to rub you out and silence you and limit you. Sugar diabetes, cancer, generational bondage, divorce, bankruptcy. I renounce you. You need to say it with me. Say it. I renounce you, intimidation. Say it with me. I renounce Oh, y'all are saying it too nice. Say it. I renounce Do you? In the name of Jesus, then let courage and boldness and strength be released in this room. Praise your name, Jesus. You will not suffocate us, Satan, with hell's lies. Number five, closing right here. Glory to your name, Jesus. Now, this doesn't come from our text, but these are the things that God told Joshua before they crossed over into the place of promise. In chapter 3, the word says in verse 2, after three days, the officers went throughout the camp at Joshua's orders, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. How many of you ever you feel like you're in a situation? I've never been in this one before. Just raise your hand up. Come on. All of you students, really, not even just the ones going off to college. Some of you teachers, I was talking with Steve Allen this morning, it's like, Christy, you teachers that have taught under these conditions, students, our whole world, we've never been through this before. Listen, the ark is mentioned 16 times in chapters 3 and 4, the ark, or the throne of God. Listen to me. It's the place where his glory rested. It was his manifest, visible presence. It's the same presence that a couple books earlier, Moses says in Exodus 33, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, we don't want to go. We'd rather stay here in the wilderness than be there in the place of promise without your presence. And God says, oh, I will go with you. What is the word for us right here on, on number five? If you're in a place where you've never been before, then you need to understand the value of God's presence. They are told... We don't know how we're going to get across. It's at flood stage. And the priests were told, take the ark 
and go all the way up and step into the river at flood stage with God's presence. We, there's no way we can even imagine how awesome this site was. These priests are carrying, this is the same ark that if you carry it wrong, you get killed. You know? Um, and, and Joshua says, stay 900 yards away from it, but follow it. And they're going to a river. Have you been to Whitewater River? Have you seen a river at flood stage? And they're told, go up, and when you put your feet in it, you can't just go up to it. You have to go up in it. So many of us have a faith that says, I'll, I'll go up to it. Oh, I got something. I just feel the Holy. Listen, some of you, are, you have that faith like in 2 Kings chapter 13. Remember where the king was told, you're, you're in a battle that you can't win. So take arrows out of your window and shoot them. Just shoot arrows? Why? Because I told you so. I want you to... The whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation is, I'm trying to teach you to trust me and listen to me. Okay. You, you, some of you be like, Joshua, is God giving us Jericho? Do we really have to march? That king, and then the prophet told that king that shot those arrows, now, because you obeyed, you win. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your remaining arrows, and I want you to go out and beat the ground. And the, and the king went out there like, all right. And he, go, he goes, one, two, three. And the prophet said, you only tap three times. You should have had more passion than that. If you'd have tapped just four or five, he said, the dimensions of your victory, you wouldn't have to deal with this same adversary, this foe. Some of y'all have a... And God's wanting you to go... Until the prophet says, you can stop now. And then the prophet will go, wow. The dimensions of your victory now are, they're obliterated. You will never see the Amalekites again. But you got this. In Jesus' name, may we have a, an attitude that says, God, I'm alert. When you say it, because my posture says, I'm going to seize it. How am I going to seize it? By your word. Your word tells me. Your word guarantees. We will have battles, but we will win these battles. Is anybody out there this morning? <laughs> Praise your name, Jesus. So what have I told you? First thing, you have a place to possess God has a people he wants to bless through you possessing your place. There will be battles, but victory is guaranteed. Number four, you've got to learn to renounce whatever it is that intimidates you. Are we over that, everybody? 
I'm looking at a packed house in a pandemic with no social distancing. I think y'all are doing all right with intimidation. <laughs> to God be the glory. And then lastly, his presence. You've got to learn to value his presence. You, I want to say to you college kids, hear me. Some people become 45, 50 years old before they understand. You got, don't sleep in every Sunday. You get in the habit of sleeping in Sundays and getting out of fellowship. I keep looking at the Odins because y'all the closest one, but I'm looking at you like everybody's getting looked at vicariously, okay, Isaiah. And you moms and dads, we learned through the last 13, 14 months how much we need the presence of the Lord in the body of Christ. You've never been this way before, so stay close to the presence. Follow the presence even into the flooded river. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. So as we wind down this morning, some of you are in a, str a strategic season of transition. These things you need to know. How many of you will say, God is speaking to me specifically. I'm renouncing the intimidation. I received that place and that promise for victory. God is speaking to me, and I'm going to make this transition. If you're here this morning, God is speaking to you specifically. I'm not going to play any games. I want you to stand in the name of Jesus at the count of three. One, two, three. Stand up and receive victory in the name of Jesus. We praise you, Father. We, in, the, in the name of Jesus, you will cross this river. You will live in the land of plenty. God will always be with you. No one can stand against you. You will be prosperous and successful as you meditate on the law, the word of God, both day and night in the name of Jesus. Come on, raise your hands like you're victorious this morning. We praise you, Lord. We're going to sing one last time that song. I felt it prophetically. Yes, prophetically. Those songs that we were singing today were not accidentally chosen. That song that says, we won't stop now. Are you, how many of you will say, we're not stopping now? Listen, what God's doing in the earth, we're just getting started. Let the enemy do what the enemy is supposed to do. God's got a plan. Can I get a witness? Come on. It's coming by faith.
open door. Lead us, thank you. Come on, sing it from your heart. Your presence is an open door. We want you, Lord, like never before. Your refreshing presence we receive your word Lord transform us by the renewing of our minds oh God in your word we will be bold we will be strong we will meditate in your word we will value your presence and we will transition from here in this liminal season to that place of destiny and promise over every marriage, every adult whose mind is tormented by regret from the past, even the reality of their situation. Moses is dead. The marriage is over. But I can move into my future. I did lose it. Bankruptcy did. But I'm moving in to the place of promise where you are restoring me, oh God. For some people, it could be an 11-day journey from Egypt to Canaan. But for most of us, it's 40 years of hard knocks. But God is so faithful, he says to Joshua, that promise from Genesis 12 that I made to Abraham, I'm making it to you. You're going to be the one to actualize that covenant with Abraham. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance toward you and give you peace. Say, I receive it. Have a good afternoon, everybody.